Is Dean DeBlaw going to destroy my heart, my soul, and my bank account in 2019? That's a probably. We, <sighs> we missed our chance. I know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dragon Academy Dropouts, your weekly dive into the DreamWorks Dragons universe. Is Sarah and Max here this week? We are talking all about New York Comic Con. We were lucky enough to be able to go, so we want to give you guys the whole rundown on the day, the panel, some behind the scenes scoop, and all the fun that we had. It was a once in a lifetime experience that we had twice. <laughs> once at TIFF and then another time here. But this one was kind of special, and we're going to talk about why this one was a little bit special in a bit. But, uh, spoiler alert, we asked all kinds of cool questions to Dean and Jay and the producer Brad Lewis and uh, even the CEO of DreamWorks, Chris DeFaria. So, your questions, their answers, we're going to talk about that too. Yeah, thank you to everybody that gave us ideas and submitted questions. It was really cool to hear from you guys. And everyone we talked to, they were super excited to answer your questions. So we got some really cool feedback and some really funny, genuinely awesome answers from these guys, which was so exciting to hear. Because, you know, they're real people too. They've got this incredible experience and history with the franchise and insight. And also they're hilarious. So... Before we begin, we do want to talk about one thing that we have coming up, which is really cool. So last week, we talked with Richard Hamilton, who is the co-writer of Serpent's Air, Dragonbine, all these cool dragon projects all throughout the franchise. And and DreamWorks projects, too. So all the troll hunter stuff as well, like tons and tons of stuff. Great guy. And in fact, we didn't just meet with him uh, a week ago, or at least what you think is a week ago, uh, when we interviewed him. We also met with him in person at New York Comic Con, and uh, we talked about some really cool stuff. Um, and one of the things that we've been discussing with him is these two baby dragons that show up in Dragonvine. Yeah, so if you've ever wanted to make your mark on the franchise, these little baby dragons... These little silk spanners, they do not have names. And Richard Hamilton would love you guys to submit your ideas as to what their names should be. Two dragons, two names. Submit your ideas and Richard Hamilton might pick your names. So if you're interested in playing a role in the entire dragon universe by naming a couple dragons and having it be official, you should submit some ideas. You know you want to. I you want know to. You want to. I want to submit some anonymously <laughs> and just be like, yeah, yeah, that's my idea. I'm going to call it Silky the Spinster. Great idea, Max. Yeah. I think our listeners can come up with a better idea than that, though. Spin Master. <laughs> anyway, we're going to have more info on that on our website very soon. Hit up dragondropouts.com and you can find. A post on where to submit your ideas and how Richard Hamilton can get a hold of them. So head over there to check it out. But without further ado, I think it's time to talk about Comic-Con. Yeah. So once you've submitted, pause this episode now, submit your names for the two dragons, then 
Sarah's nodding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep well, we this don't... episode going. No, no, no. Pause the episode now. Submit your dragon ideas and come back immediately after you've submitted your ideas. And we're going to now talk. Transition gracefully as we do to New York Comic Con. If there's anything about us, it's grace. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? For what? This is the new new news. All right, New York Comic Con. New 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 York Comic Con. Thank you. I stand corrected. New York Comic Con, one of the big three presentations of Dragons this year, took place on Sunday, and hundreds of fans were there to experience all the action with the interviews with Dean and Jay and Brad and F. Marie Abraham, who is the voice of Grimmel. And they showed clips and gave behind-the-scenes scoop, and it was awesome. So, Max, where should we start with this? Because there is so much to go over here. Oh, yeah. Well, let's first start with a panel, and then we'll talk about the behind-the-scenes stuff, because, see, okay, spoiler alert, for a second time, we went backstage. We got to see the beautiful, beautiful Madison Square Garden Penn Station Complex, and it's glorious backstage experience, which, uh, oh, you think it's beautiful from what you see. Oh, let me tell you, it's gorgeous backstage. It looks like an absolute gem of New York architecture. If you don't know Max as much as I do, you may not know that this man despises Penn Station. Oh. He thinks it's the biggest disaster, which it is, really. I use it all the time, and it is... Kind of the worst, would you agree? Oh yeah, it's bad. But uh, this is the best thing that's ever happened to Penn Station um, and Madison Square Garden. So I'm I'm glad we were there. But anyway, (laughs) onto the panel. (laughs) Now that we've we've dragged Penn Station, (laughs) let's drag the dragons, but in a positive way. Okay, so this panel was run by the senior editor of Rotten Tomatoes. Her name is Gray Drake, and she did a great job. She was super friendly and really kept things lighthearted throughout. What kind of stood out to me between the Toronto Film Festival and New York Comic Con was just the general vibe of it all. Would you agree? It just seemed oh, more, yeah. there's, more... There's a lot more vibe. More chill at New York Comic Con. Tiff was... I don't know how to describe it, but I just, I felt like I needed to be a little bit more together in my fan feelings. Does that make sense? Like, together. Okay, example. Like, cheering in the crowd. When people bring up characters. At TIFF, I wasn't sure whether I could, like, cheer for things that people said. New York Comic Con, everybody's yelling. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And and you know like it doesn't it doesn't matter what was happening it was just yelling all the time, which was fun. It was a really good time, and I think they are different vibes. Like the theaters were very different, the way that the presentations were run. New York Comic Con was just a little bit more chill, which you know understandable. Toronto is a big professional film festival. The Tiff Bell Lightbox is a beautiful building. Uh, and Penn Station, Madison Square Garden. It's a disaster. <laughs> and everything about it, I think, 
I'm not saying New York Comic Con is bad. I loved it. It was great. It was fantastic. But, um, you know, I think the architectural styles of the buildings they were in really reflected <laughs> the uh, style of the event we were attending. Um, I don't know if it has to do with the architecture, but I do feel like the people on stage at Comic-Con were just a little bit more relaxed than they uh, were at Okay, Comic-Con. so here's an example. That's my opinion. Here's an example. Uh, example number two. At TIFF. We talked about a lot of different things related to the technology of the films and, uh, you know, the history that Jay Baruchel has had in, in, in acting. Um, and then we talked a lot about, um, you know, the story and the design and the art, and it was just really detailed discussion. At New York Comic Con, we talked a fair amount about action sounds and grunting. Now, okay, don't think this is a negative. It was amazing. It was awesome. Because it was Jay. But that, I think, you know, that sort of summarizes a lot of the kind of where the energy was placed in the two events. There was a lot more focus on the amount of clips and the content of the clips at Comic-Con than I think there was at TIFF. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At TIFF, it was a discussion uh, about peppered themes and metaphors and, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, because the film festival, you got to play to the audience. But at Comic-Con, we're like, you know, we want to see the clips. So if you were streaming it, cool. But you didn't see the clips, and uh, they showed some clips. They, they showed, showed a lot clips of clips. Here. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been super concerned about the amount of spoilers that have been released on the film. So to kind of help you guys relax, there wasn't anything 100% new clip-wise that was shown at Comic-Con. There was a trailer, and we'll get to that in a bit. But as far Mm -hmm. as the standalone clips from the movie, everything that we saw was either shown at Annecy or at the Toronto Film Festival. I think there was one clip that was new. Which one? There was one clip. I don't remember which one it is, so we'll have to go through it, but... There was one clip where I think Brad said, "This is you're the first audience to see this." I think it was the Grimmel clip, and I think they showed maybe. that at Annecy. Um, he and said, was... "Maybe Brad lied to us." <laughs> in which case, seriously, seriously, no. I don't think he lied to us. I don't think he did. But Unless but there's... something here is very unclear. So we'll run through the clips here, and I'm pretty sure all of these have been shown before. So you're saying Brad is a liar. No, that's not what I'm saying. You're putting words in my mouth. I'm okay. saying that perhaps... A confusion has been had somewhere along the lines here. And it might be us. Maybe, maybe, possibly, would you say? Maybe, Brad. Love you, Brad. The first clip that we saw was one that I believe they did see at Annecy. It was a rescue of dragons on a hunter ship. The whole gang is involved in trying to get these dragons out of these cages. And there's kind of... These blunders along the way, snot loud, rough nut, tough nut, kind of being ridiculous. And, you know, we get to see the gang back in action again. Now, the one moment of this clip that really kind of pleased me and made me laugh was... The mist. No. Okay. I like the mist. What but mist? go ahead. The, the entire ship was, like, surrounded in this thick mist. And I think one of the funny things about this clip... I mean, maybe not funny. It's like, I was laughing. But, like, one of the... Um, things I was like, oh, that's like I kind of, you know, that's like the, the 
theme, the style of the clip, I think was defined by people coming in and out of the mist and, you know, jumping through the mist with flames and dragons and, and showing up and disappearing. So I think the mist was, in a way, if you want to get literary about this, let's say we're at TIFF and we're describing this clip, we'd be like, oh, yeah, the mist is a character in this clip. Presumably, this clip is probably from the beginning of the movie, so we're being reintroduced to the characters again. So, sure. You know, we're seeing Hiccup start things off and then Snotlout's coming in, Astrid comes in and, you know, does her badass thing. But a moment that I really enjoyed from this which I think we've talked about in the past, was Fishlegs has this baby strapped to him. And oh, yeah. Hiccup criticizes him about bringing this baby into battle. Like, what are you doing? It kind of made me feel good that the fans are kind of thinking along the same lines of the characters in a way. Like, you know how yeah. we look at the images and we're like, why is this like this? And that doesn't make any sense. And why would you do this? Like, the creators have made these choices for a reason. Like, yes, it doesn't make sense for the baby to go into battle, but Fishlegs isn't necessarily thinking about those things and our more logical characters are willing to call them out on it. It just made me laugh a lot. So other fun moments of this clip, if you haven't seen it, is that Balka's back. We get to see her a little bit kind of surveying the scene. And we haven't really seen her much yet or heard much of her yet. So it's good to know she's still around on Burke. Definitely. Dean has not spent a ton of time in the presentations that we've seen and heard talking about the secondary characters. The focus has really been on the Hiccup and Toothless story, which, yeah, good. That's the purpose of the franchise, to talk about Hiccup's coming of age, Toothless's relationship within that, and ultimately them parting ways at the end of the franchise. Maybe. Why are you looking at me like that? Well, we don't really know what happens at the end. I mean... We kind of know what happens. We have an idea. Sort of. It's about letting go. It is about letting go. But, you know, Dean is a a creative and mysterious man. And maybe he intends letting go in a way that we aren't expecting. I wouldn't be interesting theory. I will revisit this. We could do a whole episode on letting go. We could. Anything else about this clip that we need to talk about? No, we're good. Okay. So, really, we get to see the gang is still figuring out this whole dragon rescuing business. And Volka has a really interesting role in that. We get to see everybody in action, really, except Eret, I think. Yeah, which is too bad. I hope we do get to see Eret. We can never have too much son of an Eret. Okay. Some of the clips were repeats. From Toronto. So the next clip was the courtship sequence with Toothless and the Light Fury, which this clip will completely draw in the room. People were dying during this clip. Yeah. And this is the second time we've seen it. It was still as funny as the first time. It was. If not more funny because the energy of the room was just hysterical. People Everybody were dying. loves it. They were, they were dying. <laughs> um, so this clip was called a first date. So if you, you, the listener, have ever been on a first date, you know what this clip is like. Oh, yeah. It's basically your first date. It's awkward as hell. Yeah. But in the best way, because it was so funny. This will absolutely destroy in the theaters when the movie comes out. It doesn't get any better than this. The next scene that we saw 
was a scene with Grimmel, the new villain played by F. Murray Abraham, Oscar-winning actor, and absolutely hilarious guy. He was one of the surprise special guests. They didn't bring him out until after this clip was played. And he was so excited to be there. He walked out with his New York Yankees jacket. Oh, he was pandering to the audience. <laughs> I know. I know when I see pandering. But I appreciate it. I do. <laughs> he is so excited to be a part of this franchise, which is so cool to see because he's such an accomplished actor. And one moment that really made me laugh is that somebody in the audience was just like, what did they yell? Like, we love Amadeus or Amadeus rules or something like that. And he was like, yeah, it was like he was so pumped to be at this event. And I don't know, my one of my favorite moments for the panel was just seeing him react to the scenes because he got up and turned around to face the screen to watch some of the clips that came up after he arrived. Yeah. And he was like just as into it as we were. Mm -hmm. It was really cool. So this is a clip, the Grimo clip. This is the first time I tried this. Uh, I storyboarded the entire clip. So shot by shot-ish, I drew what happened. So I know exactly what happened, and I'm going to share with you my storyboarding in a briefer form. If you don't want spoilers, you might as well hang up now because Max has the most intense detail that you will ever hear. Oh, yeah. The only... Oh, yeah greater detail you'd get is if you sat down with Dean with the script right now. Yeah, even just seeing the film is less detail than, than I'm going to ruin the film for you right now. So just turn it <laughs> off if you're not ready for that. All right. So the clip opens on a shot of Hiccup's map. And I know this because I have a square labeled poorly a map. <laughs> Hiccup is doing something with this map, I'm sure, but uh, Hiccup is not in my frame, just a square with the word map. Now, Hiccup is in his house, in his father's house, and in the corner, sleeping, is Toothless. And you know this because you see his tail, and um, so Grimble's there. I don't really know how he shows up, but he is. This, he's chilling. He's chilling. And you know what he does? He shoots Toothless. What does he shoot him with? An arrow. All I have here is shot TL, where TL stands for Toothless. I gasped and physically grasped Max's arm because I was like, holy crap, he just shot him. Now, we've seen like hunter arrows and stuff in other parts of the franchise, so it shouldn't have been as shocking to me as it was. But I was really taken aback by how sudden it all happened. Because mm -hmm. we don't really know Grimmel. We haven't seen that much of him so far. Like, I, I really think he's going to be an interesting, endearing villain from what we saw here. Endearing? I don't know about that. But interesting. So here's another thing that happens. After he shoots Toothless, here's what he does. He sits in Stoic's chair, right? So this is guy who shoots the dragon and is like, all right, sits down. In a chair, Stoics. I know this because that's what I wrote down. So here's my drawing. Um, on the left of the frame is Gribble, labeled Grim. On the right of the frame, you have Hiccup, labeled Hick. And in the middle, you have this fire, right? You know, this is, this is the fire in the middle of Hiccup's house, house, labeled fire. 
So there you go. Um, now you know. <laughs> now you know everything you need to know about this scene. Yeah, make sure you explain every frame. Yeah. Turns out. Turns out. Spoiler alert. It's not toothless. It's fish legs. <laughs> Isn't that... I bet you weren't, weren't expecting that. And neither were we. Because it looked really like toothless. But turns out, like, you know, fish... How did that even happen? There was, like, a fake toothless head and just a tail fin chilling under the blanket. Yeah. I'm assuming, strictly assuming, that this is when toothless is gone with Light Fury. Oh. So, like... They got to kind of pretend that the alpha is still around to keep up appearances. Makes sense. Makes sense. Just a guess. But can you, can you, can you believe that like fish legs took an arrow as toothless? <laughs> <laughs> like imagine this scene before what happened here where Hiccup is like, all right, fish legs, can you do me a favor and fish? Like, yeah. Okay, sure. And Hiccup's like, all right. I don't need to dress like toothless. And fish like, ah, all right. All and you're right, just sure. going to hide under this blanket and in if, case the villain shows up. If Grimmel shoots you. With a crossbow. Just lie right there. <laughs> don't make a noise. Don't give yourself away. You just got to stay right there real quiet. So this is after, after Fishlegs appears, um, after getting shot. Um, all the dragons and riders crash in and and surround Grimmel. And actually, this is one of these uh, sequences that Dean was like, this isn't finished. And last time he said that, we were like, oh, really? This isn't finished. This looks amazing. This was a tiff. But here, actually, you could see a couple things where it's like, all right, you know. It still looked amazing. It still looked amazing. The fight choreography in the scene is incredible. The amount of stuff going on from different angles and people coming in and out and the fire and the explosions and the ceiling crashing in and the dragon just... Oh, yeah. And like, Astrid just looking good and Volk is there. there think, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and I think... So I think Volk's dragon's like firing ice. So it's a scene with like fire shooting all over the place and then ice shooting all over the place and and it's, it's pretty crazy. And uh, all I'm saying with the unfinished thing is that when... when when we heard that that shot was unfinished at TIFF, we were like, Dean, you're lying to us. This is not unfinished. It's beautiful. Here, there's like a couple things. Where it's like, all right, well, maybe, maybe this is unfinished. Maybe. It really wasn't obvious. If he hadn't said that it wasn't finished, oh, no. I yeah. wouldn't have noticed anything. Yeah, I wouldn't either. But like he said it, and it's like, all right, I can kind of, I can buy it. I can buy this. So that was that clip. Yeah. The fight scenes in this movie are going to be next level. I'm sure no one who's listening to this is shocked by that, but it was awesome. So moving on, because <laughs> we got a lot to get through. They show the hidden world sequence and once again, connects very well with the audience. Absolutely beautiful. The amount of detail in this is incredible. You know, I don't really know what else to say about this. It's very emotionally touching and the water and the colors and the lighting and everything is just so dreamworks dragons as in there's nothing else out there that looks like this movie right i know what to say about this because i storyboarded it yet again quickly quickly, quickly. all right <laughs> so this is called the hidden world sequence and in fact this is the one where f mary abraham stood up from his seat rather than looking at the audience and sort of waiting for the clip to end like the rest of them he stood up and it's like i want to look at this because it's beautiful 
And it was. So, Stormfly and Astrid and Hiccup are flying over the water. Right? Uh, and they're searching for the hidden world. I know this because I have a dot on the page and I labeled it Stormfly. So, they fly into this waterfall. Crazy looking waterfall. Um, with stalactites and stalagmites and they're going through this cave and um, they're surrounded by this blue mist and it looks like a normal cave until this mist appears again more mist I love love the mist I'm a big mist fan as you can tell um, Astrid like reaches up to grab the fireworms I don't I don't know why she does that but she does kind of stupid Astrid why and and they pass through these like these caverns like these sunset colored arches that are just beautiful so we see th there's this sort of like central cavern where uh toothless and the light fury this is this is if you if you listen to the tiff episode you'll know this toothless and the light fury are there and if you didn't you're not going to know this so listen to the tiff episode toothless and the light fury are there and uh they're in the center of this big cavern of this massive stone kind of troll hunters esque <laughs> gotta flip the page the dragons the dragons there are you know you can tell toothless is the leader they're following toothless right um as he flies around because he can fly in this scene uh hiccup has made the new tail new tail for him and he um he lands on top of the massive crystal and he spreads his wings out at least that's what i think this drawing is i don't really know anymore um yeah and, uh, it's a circle with two bent lines on either side so i'm guessing it's a dragon in flight maybe maybe we'll see um and that's where where astrid says well now that's that's a king right and and of course now hiccup is looking really sad about that because you know because who wouldn't be sad when their fiance is more impressed by their dragon than them i would be sad true true but i mean it's pretty impressive and he's like lost toothless right He's gone. So, so Toothless is this new life in the hidden world that Hiccup is apparently not a part of. So Sad. Very sad. Then my drawings get all crazy, and I don't really know what's happening. But, but we sort of know There's what a lot of squiggles. There's a lot of squiggles. Words you can't read. Yeah. It was dark in the theater. <laughs> yeah, there's a rumble horn that finds uh, Hiccup and Astrid. If you really want a detailed description of this, go to the TIFF episode because, like, I don't, I can't even read this anymore. Um, whatever we said back then is way more accurate than we're saying now. Yeah, is 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 basically what we're saying. Anyway, Rumblehorn finds them. Toothless grabs Hiccup and Astrid, and they fly out of the hidden world. And Toothless is very mad at them because, you know, who wouldn't be? So that was that clip. Beautiful, beautiful clip. I mean. The animation here is just incredible. I don't know what else to say. No, 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 no. Now, on a more serious note, when I think back on all of these clips, and I think about the number of emotional moments that we see, there are a lot of them. We see Hiccup's distress, seeing Toothless, Finding his place in the hidden world, we see Hiccup pissed at Grimmel being in his father's chair and commenting on how he got him killed. And shooting fish legs. <laughs> we see Hiccup realizing that Toothless's disability that he caused is holding him back. In just about every single clip, we have some kind of emotional moment. I don't know how I'm going to get through this movie. 
Like, I know Dean said that 10 out of 10, we're going to be distraught and crying, which is great. Like, destroy me. That's awesome. But we've seen about, let's say, five to seven minutes total of this movie. And pretty much everything had some kind of, I don't want to keep saying distressing because some of it's good emotion, but like emotionally trying content. There's like an hour and 23 more minutes of this. Like, I don't, can we make it through? Like, I don't know if we can. are my tear ducts gonna be usable after this? I don't think so. It's just fully exhausted. Is Dean DeBlaw going to destroy my heart, my soul, and my bank account in 2019? That's what Probably. we should We missed our chance. I know. They did not show the baby cup clip, but there was significant baby cup in the new trailer, which will be officially released on October 25th, but they showed it at Comic-Con, and it was a good trailer. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a very good summary of what we had so far. Max, what stood out to you the most from the trailer? Well, uh, there was a young hiccup. There was. He was young. He um, was small. There were we moments, uh, or at least moments, brief, brief hiccup and Astrid things. So if you like um, hiccup and Astrid, you will like this trailer. Uh, it else? wasn't just the main focus of the trailer. Just brief stuff. Very brief. Just like baby hiccup brief. The Hickstrid will be significant to fans because we do see kind of a reflection of the so what are you going to do about it quote in the trailer. But I feel like more of the focus is on the Toothless and the Light Fury story. Mm-hmm. And there were many shots of emotional Toothless and Hiccup interactions. Including a beautiful shot of Toothless and the Light Fury and the moon behind them, which is a little bit like uh, the the flight sequence from the first film. Romantic flight. Yeah. Very romantic. But now, instead of a human and a dragon, it's two dragons. So, plot twist. <laughs> Perhaps more appropriate. And in true dragon's fashion, there were many moments of balancing... The drama with the comedy. There's at one point, Tough Nut is just screaming, which, you know, is very Tough Nut. Just screaming with his neck beard. Oh, yeah. And I'm here for it. And by neck beard, we mean <laughs> his hair. See, here's our theory. Can we talk about our theory just briefly here? Go for it. He can't grow facial hair. And so he has grown his hair out around his neck and around his chin to make it look like he's got a stoic level beard. But in reality, it's just his hair. No beard to be found. Tragic. But, you know, we still love Tough Nut. Beard or no beard, the beard doesn't make the Viking. Which is good because it doesn't have any beard. (laughs) Well, neither does Hiccup yet, so it's fine. Yeah, but at least he's got stubble. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Trailer. It's coming out. It's good. It's good. Why even see the film now? Now you've you've seen. When you see the second trailer, you'll be like, I get this. Why even watch the trailer when you can just go on YouTube right now and watch the trailer for the trailer? The trailer trailer. Classic dragon move. Just like Dragon 2 where they released a GIF for the trailer. 
on Instagram. <laughs> but aren't you so glad that everybody gets to see Baby Cup? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely. Glad. He's perfect. Yeah. And he's even in the trailer trailer, isn't he? He is. He is. So finally, you get to see what we've seen for so long. It's been like three weeks. It hasn't been that long. For so long, we've lived. <laughs> it's been an eternity. Baby Cup has been part of us, part of our existence, part of our lives, weighing down our souls for three whole weeks. And now, he'll be part of your life, too. If they didn't have pity for us before. So should we get to the stuff that people actually want to hear about? The cosplay parade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Do we want to talk about the cosplay parade? Just very briefly. There were some really good cosplays at New York Comic Con. And they made everybody walk around. It was cute. You can find the video on Twitter. I love that there was a Heather. That was cool. That I did not expect. But I'm here for it. It was a lot of hiccup. Astrid's. Toothly. Toothless. Toothlesses. What's the plural? Toothlessies. Toothless. Toothlies? Teethlesses. <laughs> All right, so interview time. Somehow. After the panel was over, we headed backstage with, like, the cast <laughs> or, or, or with the, the crew and the cast. It, it was weird. It was, it still doesn't feel real to me. Yeah. Because it was all very surreal and very out of our element. Well, Not- I, was, I was in my element. <laughs> I'm sorry. Max is a journalist. I'm a journalist. So he was ready. I was pretty shook. Now, okay. A couple of days ago, I was thinking about the Richard Hamilton interview and I was listening back to some stuff and I was like, uh, man, I got to work on my interview skills. Like 24 hours later, Max is like, hey, Comic-Con, they want to let us talk to people. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, in- incredible experience. We got to do it. So let me set the scene for you. The panel ends. The cast and crew leave. We head off to the backstage area. Nobody knows where to send us. (laughs) Nobody knows where we're going, and we don't either. But then, then, we see Dean and the others walking by, and we're like, let's follow them. We, no, that's not what happened. We pretty much did follow them. They went the other way. Oh, did they go the other way? We stop, because... They're going past us, and we're like, what the hell is going on? Well, we let them go first, obviously. They've got places to be. We've got a place to be, but we're not as important. So it takes three different people to find out where we need to be. So we get there. We've got a spot on the press line. Grapevine is written in Sharpie on the ground. That was cute. It was cute. (laughs) Were you proud? I, no. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Pride was that an emotion I was feeling at the moment. I was like, I was feeling pure anxiety. Pure I don't know about anxiety. You. I don't know what emotion was I feeling. I was, I was like, this is weird. This is weird stuff because, like, uh, here, let me let me tell you what the press line is for the people out there who are not in the know. After an event like this, um, people like uh, Dean and Jay and the others, uh, they go backstage and they talk with people from the press. You know, people who might have cameras or people who might be you know interviewing them with questions recording them uh and we were there uh and uh you know we're basically all standing on a line and people will just come up and approach us and talk with us you know someone like jay might 
be like, hey, I'm Jay. And we'd be like, yeah, we know. We know. Um, uh, so it's in front of this like Comic-Con backdrop that, you know, you see in all those videos. If you if you look for like press events for Comic-Con, because this is how it's done, uh, because we're journalists. And um, so we get to meet all these cool people for a couple minutes and ask them some questions. So we did. We asked them your questions, the questions you submitted, and some of our own. It was a whirlwind experience. We get there. There's nothing going on. All of a sudden, there's a ton of people like right on top of you. Yeah. And you never know when someone's going to come up for their interview because everybody's popping around back and forth. So we were kind of like just rolling with the punches and, I don't know, trying to form coherent sentences in English, which... I don't know if anything that I said to anybody made sense, but, you know, you guys will get to hear it soon. Here's what's funny about it, is that um, all these people, they get really close up to you because, you know, you're recording them or whatever. So, um, you get unusually close to, like, celebrities. It's strange stuff, because normally celebrities, like, want to stay away from that person. (laughs) At least that's what, like, they're to me, I'm sure. But now, it's like... Now I'm like so close to Jay and I'm looking in his eyes. Well, it's to be near the microphone. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure if he had a choice, he wouldn't have been that close to you. I mean, same, but, <laughs> you know, conversational distance. But, you know, the the norms of conversation are broken when we're talking about journalism. <laughs> okay, so let's talk some content because people want to hear what was said and not your feelings on personal space. All right. Really? Really? So we tried to ask questions that we hoped would be a little bit different from the rest of the crowd. Because everybody's going to ask about what the story means and what are you trying to get across with the movie? Why is the Light Fury white? (laughs) Why is she white? You can't Um, just ask if a dragon's white. (laughs) You would have. I would If have. I hadn't stopped I you. Have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Do you want to tell them some of the stupid questions you were going to ask? Yeah, you know, I I was like, uh, I mean, what dragon would you eat is my favorite. Because, uh, you know, Stormfly, for instance, she just looks like a chicken. She'd, she'd probably be tasty, right? So I'd, I'd love to know if Jay would eat Stormfly. Probably that toothless, you know, because bonds and everything, emotion... But Stormfly, less so. So maybe, you know, Jay would eat Stormfly. The hard part about this experience is that we get there and we've got these whole list of questions for everybody. But you only have time to ask two to three. That's what we were told by who would who would you say was running this? So we have um, to stick to the important ones. Yeah. Right? So we're like, okay, we've got to prioritize here. Like what dragon would you eat? Except Sarah said, don't do that. So, so we I did. didn't. Didn't do that. Drop down to the second most important one. Uh, So for Jay, what was that for Jay? We asked him as resident hiccup expert if he had any kind of secret hiccup facts or feelings about this character. Because he's been playing this character for 10 years. And at Tiffy talked about the fact that basically hiccup was secretly Canadian. Yeah. That's not exactly what he said, but it's pretty much what was said. So He's secretly Canadian. (laughs) We tried to get some more inside scoop on that, and his answer was really, really good and really funny. There are a lot of secrets about Hiccup you don't know about. (laughs) 
So later on, you guys are going to hear the exact audio, but basically Jay said that Hiccup swears a lot in the booth. You people who are all on the let Hiccup say fuck train, this is basically what Jay said. He said that he drops a ton of F-bombs in there and there's probably a ton of audio out there about him swearing. I was like, you know, Dean does all the other lines with the other characters when people are recording in the booth. And I was like, you know, what would be great is if we got a hiccup swearing, plus Dean doing all the other characters. That's the movie I want to see. Yeah, this is when Max cut off the A-list actor during his interview. Yeah. I cut off Jay multiple times and interrupted him with, <laughs> with things that, you know, I thought were important because, you know, it's a power move. I mean... It wasn't for a power move. It was very conversational, and Jay was, you oh, know. Oh, no, I wanted to in... show Jay who's boss. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> Jay was so lighthearted about everything, and he was so chill and relaxed that, you know, it felt it felt like you were talking to somebody that you knew. Because we did know him. He just didn't know us. That was what was so weird about it. Yeah. So Hiccup swears a lot and also really likes McDonald's. So whenever Jay shows up to record and do things for the films, they've always got McDonald's breakfast waiting for him. And it's been this way since the first film. It's very obscure. Very strange. I kind of wonder what he eats, right? Is is Hiccup a burger Viking? Or is he like... A McGriddle Viking. I don't even know what that is. Does he like his chicken? Hash browns. Does he get a fry? Flurries. Who knows? All these follow-up questions... That we could have asked, but we didn't. We just didn't have We're enough failures. time. We're failures. Disappointing. We failed you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. We also asked him which kinds of scenes and dialogue he likes to record because he does drama, comedy, like everything with this character. And I was like, do you like the grunting? <laughs> there was a lot of grunting during the panel. And, you know, comedy and grunting. One big overarching theme as well for all of these interviews is that everybody was so complimentary to the fans and really expressed their thanks and gratitude for everyone who supported the films for the past 10 years. What Jay shared was that this movie is so special because they really are uncommon movies with uncommon characters. Kind of for everybody who may not feel like they belong, they may not fit the mold. Um, I think he said movies for people who are square pegs yeah and and i was like yeah we're square pegs and uh he was like yeah yeah all three of us are so um we're pretty exclusive we're an exclusive group you me jay baruchel squad squad <laughs> anyway so we were giving your questions to all these amazing people but uh we didn't even know who would show up so there are some people there, or one person I'm thinking of, who we didn't have anything prepared for. Um, and uh, we were really surprised that uh, the CEO of DreamWorks, Christopharia, showed up as well. He wasn't even at the panel, or at least we didn't know he was there. And then he showed up behind uh, backstage when we were, we were talking with others. It was all very sudden, and it was kind of hilarious because... I don't know if it was somebody from the PR group that was working this press line, but they come up to us and they were like, hey, guys, would you be OK with Christopharia 
talking to you guys and we were like duh <laughs> like yeah who would say no to that but they were like you know asking permission for us to talk to him we're like nah. yeah sure don't even ask permission just be like here he is and we'd be like fine fine we'll take this this is a situation we will we will we will accept yeah so we had like 25 seconds to prepare for that which you know speaking extemporaneously is not the easiest thing to do when you're talking to someone like that but yeah, imagine we talking to the most powerful person in all of DreamWorks and having 20 seconds to come up with the best possible question for him. I don't know if it was the best possible question that we gave, hey, but hey, it was something. <laughs> I did my best. We talked about fans and how I think uh, DreamWorks has done a really good job in reaching out to fans and being accessible to fans, and we asked him about that. Uh, and one thing he said was that Dragons is really big and important. And and I think I like that he recognizes how cool Dragons is and how important dragon is, Dragons is, not just for DreamWorks, but also for fans. It feels good to know that a property that you care about is also cared about by the people who have to think about the money and the time and the employees and things like that. Because there's a lot of franchises out there that are good, but... You know, they have to have the support of the honchos behind the scenes. He was cool. I liked him. I don't think we would have three movies. How many shorts have we had? Three shorts, three television series, and all this stuff without people behind the scenes like him caring so much. Three shorts, three television series, three graphic novels. Everything is a trilogy. You know who likes trilogies? Dean DeBlaw. Oh, yeah. He does. You know what else Dean DeBlaw likes? Berg's Grapevine. We did talk about Berg's Grapevine <laughs> just a little bit. Dean is like the chillest person ever. I wish I could be chill. I've got too much anxiety on a psychological level to be that chill, but I don't know. There's something about him that's just so relaxing. I don't know. Like, I don't know if he feels that way on the inside. But I just get good, chill, positive vibes from the guy. And and on top of that, right, like, you, we talk about, like, oh, how hard it is to just speak coherently, right? Not only does Dean speak coherently, of course he does. The words that come out of his mouth are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, he's a writer, so words are going to be his thing. But just, you know. Hi, Dean. You're cool. You're cool. (laughs) The hardest part about talking to Dean was that you only got two minutes with Dean. I want to ask Dean about everything in the world. But Dean pretty much spent the first minute of a conversation talking about how much, how he keeps up with the fans and how, you know, he's got his eye on things. If things are going on, he knows about it. So then you've only got a little bit more time to talk to him with your questions. And the person, you know, running the show behind him is like giving us the wrap it up signal over and over. And we're nodding and, you know, but Dean's just talking. And <laughs> like I would ask him everything. I'd be like, how is your dog doing? Does he still wear the toothless outfit? By the way, he looks fantastic. Do you need a dog sitter? We love dogs and we love your dog. Just saying. Yes. But we can't even ask these things. This is like so far down the list of of the million questions we have for him. So we have to ask, what are the most important things? And so we talked about um, 
in the in the very few minutes we had with him about how the films are like a backbone for this entire massive epic uh series of dragons media and um what how the the challenges of that and what he does to you know coordinate and make sure that the the series and the shows or and and make sure that the shows and the graphic novels and the films and everything else stay coherent it's a very tight ship to run i think to keep it cohesive and from what it sounds like he just communicated well with everybody on all different levels meeting frequently with the producers of the tv shows and being very hands-on with all aspects yeah so like every 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 now and then he would just have dinner with the tv crew which by the way is the best possible dinner you could ever go to right dinner and dragons i would love to go to one of those same who wouldn't if you the listener would like to go to dinner plus dragons tell us (laughs) we'll do nothing about it what meal would you eat with dean leave a comment below let us know yeah and uh finally we talked a little bit about what's happening next uh in the film process in particular We've heard a lot about uh, his work with John Powell and scoring the film. And music is such an important part of the franchise. I'd say the music for How to Train Your Dragon is probably one of the most universally beloved aspects of the films. And you can tell that Dean really feels the same way and that he really connects to the music. He said like he doesn't know much about it. He doesn't play music, but from an emotional perspective, it is so important to him. And he's about to get together again with John Powell and spend a lot of time finishing that up. So it sounds like the score is almost complete, if not complete by now. And they're going off to London, I think, to record it. Uh, So that's happening very soon. It sounds like some very lucky musicians out there are about to be very busy. So I I can't even play music, but I would absolutely play music for the hidden world. What instrument would you play? Triangle. Fitting. So, spoilers. Dean says to delete your account. (laughs) Yeah, he said if you're on the internet, don't be. (laughs) And don't take that as the direct quote. Wait, for the interview clips to be released, you can hear exactly what he said. But, you know, it's going to be hard to avoid spoilers. He gets it. But there's no 100% foolproof way if you're going to be on the internet, to avoid those things. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah, so, like, if if we accidentally tell you, like, oh, Toothless dies, that's, you know, now you know that. So, tragic. So, be careful out there. Surf responsibly. There's one one more person we talked to. That's Brad Lewis. Brad Lewis is so nice. Brad Lewis is so nice. And And his... Career is so, I'm going to say this in a bad way, but his career is so weird that, like Dean, there's too many questions that you have for the guy for, like, a two-minute conversation. Let us give you a sample, just a brief sample of all the things he's done. So he started working as a producer on Ants, right? That's the first animated film he produced. So came out in 1998. Yeah. Since then, he's been producing... All kinds of different films, directing films as well. Um, 
at all different studios. So like, you know, DreamWorks, he worked at Pixar, Pixar. for a while, um, all over the place. He co-directed or directed a Miyazaki film. Yeah, which is like, I, I want to ask him about that, but we don't have how? enough time. Like, how does no that way. happen? <laughs> um, what else? So he got two Emmys, right? For One for graphic design, right? So he's like, he's not just a producer, right? He 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 knows his stuff. He knows his, he he's technically competent as well, which is awesome. Also, he was mayor. Yeah, so he was mayor. He was in local politics, which, you know, what is going on there? That's awesome. So <laughs> his career is all over the place in the best way. And he knows so much about production and directing and all the pieces that come together to create an animated film. And other random things, too, like being mayor. <laughs> anyway, we talked about the technology of the hidden world. And he talked about um, one thing we asked was, you know, from ants to the hidden world, right? Like what a massive change in technology, massive change in the way that films are produced. What was the biggest change? And um, what he said was people didn't think things could be done during ants, right? So, like, on a day-to-day basis, people would be wondering, like, can I do this? Can I do that? You know, uh, what is possible? What isn't possible? And now, with The Hidden World, pretty much most things that, that, you know, as an animator you might want to do are easy and possible. Maybe not easy, but certainly possible, right? So there are very few sort of limits to your creativity. So before, if if you were working on a film like Ants in 1998, um, and before, uh, you know, there, the major constraint in what you were doing was, you know, what is technically possible? And now that constraint is gone. So when you're producing a film now, uh, when you're animating, whether you're creating your effects, whether you're doing lighting, whether you're doing surfacing, no matter what you're doing, uh, the biggest challenge now is not what's technically possible, although that, I'm sure, is still part of the challenges, uh, but the biggest challenge now is how do you differentiate yourself? How do you make your film stand out? How do you make interesting artistic choices? So that's really cool that, that we've progressed to that part of of filmmaking in animation. So imagine you are the leader of a team and your team has to accomplish a goal, but everybody on your team is terrified that they can't do it. So you have to go around every day trying to convince everybody that it's going to be okay, that things are going to get done and it's all going to work out, you know, you're going to you're going to reach your goal. That's basically what he was doing back then. He yeah, was the positive reinforcer on the team trying to convince all the artists and the animators and everybody yeah. that we're going to finish the movie and we're going to have a final product. See, I thought you were talking about being mayor. <laughs> but yes, that times a hundred working on ants. Hey, if you can navigate a team that big, then you could probably, you know, nail it in local politics. Now, we know we talked about a lot of stuff this week that was secondhand. We're kind of giving you guys the rundown on what was said. You guys are going to hear it from Jay, Dean, Brad and Chris themselves. In next week's episode, we're going to have all the audio for you guys coming up. It's a lot to get through. So we're going to get that to you guys as soon as we can. 
and you'll be able to hear it yourselves. It's a lot more entertaining. There's a lot more information in there than we can tell you guys right now. So we're really looking forward to you guys hearing it. Basically, it was incredible to get to talk to them about their experiences and how they feel about the film coming out and just their general appreciation for the experience they've had being able to give the fans these incredible films. And now in this episode, it's just been the two of us because we were the two who attended the panel. But in the next episode, we're going to bring all the rest of the dropouts, Brooke and Caitlin, back in. And we're going to talk about what we saw and what we heard. And we're going to share with them and with you these cool clips from these people we talked with. Which is going to be way better than hearing it from us. But trust us, you definitely want to come back next week and hear all of that. Being able to hear all of this directly from the source, these people that we've looked up to and admired for years, is so incredible and hilarious and insightful. And we can't wait for you guys to experience it too. We wish all of you guys could have been there. It was such a fun event and definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience that we'll never forget. I mean, think about it this way. Would you rather hear us talk about Hiccup or hear Jay Baruchel talk about Hiccup in Hiccup's voice? I think the answer is obvious. Come back next week. Yeah, so we're going to work on that. We're going to dig through all this audio, pull it together for you guys, and we'll be back soon. Max, what was your favorite part of the panel? What did you think? Oh, I don't know. I really like the mist. <laughs> I'm not joking. I know you did. That's some really nice mist. It was really good mist. Just the just the beautiful, beautiful images on screen, including the mist. Beautiful mist. I'd have to say my favorite part was just the fact that Hiccup dropping the F-bomb is canon now, and there's nothing you guys can do about it. So, yeah. Jay said so, therefore it is. Shall we wrap things up, Max? All right. <laughs> All right, guys, if you have any questions about New York Comic Con, if you were there and want to give us your insights and personal anecdotes on the big day, hit us up in the comments. You can find us at dragondropouts.com and on Twitter at dragondropouts. If you want to check out our other episodes, we are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Dragon Academy Dropouts has every episode for free to stream and download so check that out we'll be back next week with caitlin and brooke and we are going to have that audio for you guys so bear with us it's coming up real soon and we can't wait to share it with you guys max anything to say before we go no 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 no, no. your comic con there you have it and without further ado goodbye without further ado no 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 no